Every story needs a beginning, and in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, that is typically found within a tavern. But there are more than just the local tavern that one would find within that of D&D that the adventurers will have to visit during their given campaign. In fact, it is practically impossible. So with that said, sit back, have a beer, and tell me your story. Greetings, and welcome back to Checkpoint Gaming, Lords of Waterdeep. With this episode, we will be going over the buildings that are found within the game, which are divided into basic and advanced. But before delving into today's episode, let's talk about today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Twin Suns Ranch, which is a guest ranch found in Southern California, where its team of set designers, actors, and galactic explorers come together to build a fully immersive experience, where participants will be able to engage in a variety of endeavors based upon their given desires. This can include such things such as cosplaying, war reenactments, and laser tag. Depending upon what you want, Twin Suns Ranch can help you achieve that goal. Just reach out to them and see what you can come up with. You can find them at www.theweekendstrikesback.com slash galaxies slash index dot The link will also be found in the description. With the basic buildings, they're printed upon their respective boards and are always available for players to assign their agents to, assuming that their given action spaces are unoccupied. With the advanced buildings, they're found printed upon the building tiles and thus aren't always available for players to use and assign their agents to. When it comes to that of the main game board, there are nine basic buildings printed upon it, while the game boards for the modules, excluding the corruption track of course, come with three basic buildings printed upon each board. Also found upon the main game board, it possesses 10 additional spaces for the advanced buildings that players can purchase through the course of the game. When it comes to the buildings that a player is able to purchase, the set symbol is printed next to the name of every building as a means of indicating which module the building is associated with. But if there aren't any symbols printed on the advanced building tiles, then they're part of the base game. With advanced building tiles, they can only be purchased when they're found face up within the builder's hall, which holds up to three building tiles at any given time. Found on each building tile, background information is found, which includes what Ward said building is traditionally located in. But with that said, that won't restrict where the players are able to place them upon the building slots found upon the main game board. In addition to this, whenever a player that isn't the owner of said building places one of their agents within the action space of said building, then the owner will immediately gain the benefits listed upon the owner line, which is to be placed into the owner's tavern. But if the owner places one of their agents upon the action space of their own building, the owner line won't trigger. And with the expansion, an additional 24 building tiles are available for purchase. With all of that taken care of, let's take a look at all of the buildings found in the game, starting off with the basic buildings, because of course we would... We'll address those that come with the base game first, followed by dealing with those that come with the expansion, because otherwise, it wouldn't make much sense. At least, that's how we see the matter. First, we have Aurora's Realms Shop, which is found within the Trades Ward. With its associated action, it will allow the player to take four gold from the supply and place them within their given tavern. Second, we have Blackstaff Tower, which is found within the Castle Ward. With its associated action, it will allow the player to take one wizard from the supply and place it within their given tavern. Third, we have Builder's Hall, which is found within the South Ward. With the nature of this building, for every building tile that is found within it, thus available for purchase, one victory point token is to be placed onto them during every round of the game. 
With its associated action, it grants the player the choice of selecting one of the face-up buildings, pay its listed gold cost, and then place one of the player's control markers onto said building in order to indicate that they control it. Said player will also score any victory points associated with the newly purchased building. From there, a new building tile is to be drawn and placed face-up within the vacant space found at the Builder's Hall. Fourth, we have Castle Waterdeep, which is found within the Castle Ward, which makes sense since the entire ward is named after it. With its associated action, the player is to take the first player marker and is to draw one Intrigue card from the Intrigue deck. Fifth, we have Field of Triumph, which is found within the Sea Ward. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two fighters from the supply and place them into their given tavern. Sixth, we have the Grinning Lion Tavern, which is found within the North Ward. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two rogues from the supply and place them into their given tavern. Seventh, we have the plinth, which is found within the trades ward. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one cleric from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Eighth, we have Waterdeep Harbor, which is found within the dock ward, which makes sense. With its associated action, the player will be able to play one intrigue card from their hand. In addition to this, once all of the agents have been assigned for a given round, each player that possesses an agent at Waterdeep Harbor will be able to reassign said agent to another action space found upon the board, starting with the agent that is found in the action space that is marked as number one and then progressing in numerical order. With that said, if a player uses one of Waterdeep Harbor's action spaces without assigning an agent to said space, then said player will carry out the instructions associated with Waterdeep Harbor, but will not reassign their agent at the end of the round. Ninth, we have Cliffwatch Inn, which is found within the North Ward. With its associated actions, it has three of them instead of one. With the first action space, it allows the player to take one face-up quest card, as well as to take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. With the second action space, it allows the player to take one face-up quest card, as well as draw one intrigue card. And with the third action space, it causes the player to discard all of the face-up quest cards, resulting in the player to draw four new quests from the quest deck and placing them face-up within the open spaces. From there, the player is to select one of the new face-up quests. With the base game now taken care of, let's look at Undermountain. First, we have Entrywell, which is found in the Yawning Portal. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one face-up quest from Cliffwatch Inn and to play one Intrigue card from their hand. Second, we have Hall of Mirrors, which is found in the dungeon level. With its associated action, it allows the player to take any one adventurer type of their choosing or to take one fighter and one rogue from the supply and place it into their given tavern. And third, we have the Grim Statue, which is found in the dungeon level. With its associated action, it allows the player to draw two intrigue cards. Now let's take a look at Skullport. First, we have Hall of Voices, which is found in lower trade lanes. With its associated action, it allows the player to draw one Intrigue card and one face-up quest from Cliffwatch Inn. They will also get five gold from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track and place them into their given tavern. Second, we have Slaver's Market, which is found in Lower Port. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two fighters and two rogues from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track and place them into their given tavern. And third, we have Skull Island, which is found in Sirguth level. This Skull Island is not to be confused with the Skull Island of King Kong fame, which is typically found in the Indian Ocean. 
With its associated action, it allows the player to take two adventurer types of their choosing from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track and place them into their given tavern. With all of that taken care of, we are now done with the basic buildings and now we can advance to the advanced buildings. To run with the Dungeons & Dragons theme, we've basically leveled up. Bravo if you're male and brava if you're female. If you're non-binary, then brav, I guess. And like before, we'll start off with the base game buildings before moving on to the expansion buildings. But before delving into them, we'd like to touch upon buildings that accumulate resources as part of their action. With such buildings, they don't start accumulating resources until they have been put into play. So basically speaking, they don't accumulate their resources when setting face up in Builder's Hall. They'll only do that once they're purchased by one of the players. First, we have Caravan Court, which is found in South Ward. It costs four gold and when purchases, as well as the start of the round, place two fighters onto it. With its associated action, it allows the player to take all of the fighters found on this building tile and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one fighter from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Second, we have Dragon Tower, which is found in Sea Ward, and it costs three gold. With its associated action, the player is to take one wizard from the supply and place it into their given tavern, as well as to draw one intrigue card. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll draw one intrigue card. Third, we have Fetlock Court, which is found in Castle Ward, and it costs eight gold. With its associated action, the player is to take two fighters and one wizard from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one fighter and one wizard from the supply and place into their given tavern. Fourth, we have the Golden Horn, which is found in the Trades Ward. It costs four gold, and when purchased, as well as the start of the round, place four gold from the supply and place it onto its space. With its associated action, it allows the player to take all of the gold found on this building tile and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Fifth, we have Helmstar Warehouse, which is found in Dock Ward, and it costs three gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two rogues and two gold from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one rogue from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Sixth, we have Hero's Garden, which is found in Sea Ward, and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one of the face-up quest cards found in the Cliffwatch Inn and immediately complete it. If the player does this, then they'll immediately score an additional four victory points on top of the quest reward. When completing said quest, the required resources are to be returned to the supply, and the completion of this quest through the Hero's Garden doesn't count towards the limit of a single quest completion during a given turn. However, if the quest is completed later, then the bonus victory points aren't to be added. A reason why the quest is to be completed later is because said player possesses an uncompleted mandatory quest, or they don't possess the necessary resources to complete it. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. Seventh, we have House of Good Spirits, which is found in South Ward, and it costs three gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one fighter and one adventurer of their choosing from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one fighter from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Eighth, we have House of Heroes, which is found in Sea Ward, and it costs eight gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one cleric and two fighters from the supply and place them into their given tavern. 
When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one cleric and one fighter from the supply and place them into their given tavern. Ninth, we have House of the Moon, which is found in Seaward, and it costs three gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one cleric from the supply and place them into their given tavern, along with taking one of the face-up quests that is found at Cliffwatch Inn. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Tenth, we have House of Wonder, which is found in Seaward, and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to spend two gold in order to take two adventurers of their choice, consisting of only clerics or wizards, from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Eleventh, we have Jester's Court, which is found in Castle Ward. It costs four gold, and when purchased, as well as at the start of the round, place two rogues onto it. With its associated action, it allows the player to take all of the rogues found on this building tile and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one rogue from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Twelfth, we have New Olam, which is found in Castle Ward, and it costs eight gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two rogues and one wizard from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one rogue or one wizard from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Thirteen, we have Northgate, which is found in North Ward, and it costs three gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one adventurer of their choice and two gold from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two victory points. Fourteenth, we have the Palace of Waterdeep, which is found in Castle Ward, and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take the ambassador piece and place it alongside their unused agents, and at the start of the following round and before any of the other players take any of their turns, this player will get to assign the ambassador. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. When a player assigns the ambassador to an action space, they'll gain the full benefits of said action space. It'll also count as an opponent's agent, but only after it has been assigned to an action space and the associated instructions have been completed. And if the ambassador gets assigned to Waterdeep Harbor, the player cannot reassign it at the end of the round. If a player assigns one of their agents to the Palace of Waterdeep and the ambassador has already been assigned to an action space, then said player will take the ambassador from said action space, thus freeing the action space the ambassador once occupied to be occupied by an agent later within the round. If another player is to assign an agent to the Palace of Waterdeep after the initial player has taken the ambassador, but before the initial player had the chance to assign it, then the other player will not gain any benefits from the action. The player who possesses the ambassador gets to assign the ambassador before another player is able to place their agents, even if the player controlling the ambassador possesses the first player marker. In this situation, said player will get to assign the ambassador, which is immediately followed by them assigning another agent to the board. And if the Palace of Waterdeep building tile ever leaves play, then the ambassador will also be removed from the game, thus freeing up any action space it might have occurred for the assigning of an agent. Once the ambassador has been placed onto an action space, then it counts as an agent for the player who placed it. And if the ambassador is assigned to a building that its controlling player owns, then the owner benefit will not be triggered. 
if, at the end of the round, no player assigned one of their agents to the Palace of Waterdeep and claiming the ambassador, then the ambassador is to be removed from the board and set aside at the same time that all of the players will reclaim their agents. Fifteenth, we have Skulkway, which is found in Sea Ward, and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one fighter, one rogue, and two gold from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one fighter or one rogue from the supply and they'll place it into their given tavern. Sixteenth, we have Smuggler's Dock, which is found in Castle Ward and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to spend two gold in order to take four adventurers of their choice, consisting of only fighters or rogues, from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Seventeenth, we have Spires of the Morning, which is found in Castle Ward. It costs four gold, and when purchased, as well as at the start of the round, place one cleric onto it. With its associated action, it allows the player to take all of the clerics found on this building tile and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. Eighteenth, we have the Stone House, which if found in South Ward, and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern for every building tile that is in play. So, any building that has been purchased and possesses a player token counts towards this, not any building that is found in the Builder's Hall. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Nineteenth, we have the Three Pearls, which is found in Dock Ward and it costs four gold. And it's a good thing that it's found at Dock Ward, because if it was found upon the mountain peaks, then those have to be some seriously messed up oysters. But since this game is set within a world of magic, it could technically happen. With its associated action, it allows the player to return any two adventurers they have in their tavern to the supply, and then take any three adventurers they wish from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Twentieth, we have the Tower of Luck, which is found in the Sea Ward, and it costs eight gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one cleric and two rogues from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one cleric or one rogue from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Twenty-first, we have Tower of the Order, which is found in Castle Ward. It costs four gold, and when purchased, as well as at the start of the round, place one wizard onto it. With its associated action, it allows the player to take all of the wizards found on this building tile and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll draw one intrigue card. Twenty-second, we have the Waymoot, which is found in South Ward. It costs four gold, and when purchased, as well as at the start of the round, place three victory point tokens onto it. With this associated action, it allows the player to take all of the victory point tokens and score them as well as to take one of the face-up quests found at Cliffwatch Inn. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points, and if a player assigns an agent to the Waymoot while it's located within the Builder's Hall, said player will get to collect the victory point tokens found upon it due to the passing of the rounds and immediately score these victory points. 23rd, we have the Yawning Portal, which is found in Castle Ward, and it costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two adventurers of their choosing from the supply and place them into their given tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one adventurer of their choosing from the supply and place it into their given tavern. And 24th, we have Zorstar, which is found in Trades Ward, and it costs eight gold. 
With its associated action, it allows the player to choose a space that contains an opponent's agent and use that action space as though the player has assigned an agent to it. This is done by assigning an agent to this action space. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. With the advanced buildings for the base game now taken care of, let's take a look at those for Undermountain. First, we have Belcram's Tomb, which is found in Sargoth level, and it costs five gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take five gold from the supply and place it into their tavern, followed by playing one intrigue card. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place them into their given tavern. Second, we have Citadel of the Bloody Hand, which is found in upper dungeon level and it costs seven gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take four fighters from the supply and place them into their given tavern, followed by placing one fighter from their supply onto two different action spaces. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two fighters from the supply and place them into their given tavern. Third, we have the Eyes Layer, which is found in Sargath level and it costs three gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one adventurer of their choice from the supply and place it into their tavern followed by playing one intrigue card from their hand. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. Fourth, we have Hall of Many Pillars, which is found in dungeon level, and it costs five gold. This actually sounds like a really good building to have in existence, since this given building is found buried underneath a freaking mountain. With its associated action, it allows the player to play three intrigue cards, one at a time, from their hand. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll get to draw one intrigue card. Fifth, we have Hall of Sleeping Kings, which is found in dungeon level and it costs four gold. And maybe the reason why it's found in the dungeon level is to discourage grave robbing as what was seen with the pharaohs of ancient Egypt. At least we're assuming that it's ancient Egypt, since, to the best of our knowledge, modern-day Egypt isn't ruled by pharaohs. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one fighter and one rogue from the supply and place them into their tavern, followed by playing one intrigue card from their hand. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll get to take one fighter or one rogue from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Sixth, we have Hall of Three Lords, which is found in dungeon level, and it costs six gold. Let's just hope that the three given lords found in this hall aren't that of Julius Caesar, Crassus, and Pompey. With its associated action, it causes the player to remove three adventurers of their choice from their tavern and to place one of them onto three different action spaces. From there, they'll score 10 victory points. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. Seventh, we have High Duke's Tomb, which is found in dungeon level and it costs seven gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take eight gold from the supply and place them into their given tavern. From there, they'll place two gold each from their supply onto two different action spaces. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take four gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Eighth, we have the Librarium, which is found in dungeon level, and it costs seven gold. And though it may seem kind of rough to have a Librarian found in the dungeon, at least it'll be better to have them there than the target of one of Stalin's purges, or subject to Mao's cultural revolution that saw the killing of what he saw as intellectuals. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two wizards from the supply and place then into their tavern, followed by placing one wizard from their supply onto any given action space. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one wizard from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Ninth, we have the Lost Cavern, which is found in Sargoth level and it costs six gold. 
With its associated action, it allows the player to discard one of their uncompleted non-mandatory quests, followed by taking one fighter, one rogue, and one adventurer of their choice from the supply and place them into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one adventurer of their choice and place it into their given tavern. Tenth, we have Room of Wisdom, which is found in farm level and it costs seven gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take two clerics from the supply and place them into their tavern, followed by taking one cleric from their supply and placing it into any action space. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one cleric from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Eleventh, we have Shadow Dusk Hold, which is found in Terminus level and costs seven gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take four rogues from the supply and place them into their tavern, followed by placing one rogue each from their supply to two different action spaces. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two rogues from the supply and place them into their given tavern. And twelfth, we have Trobriad's Graveyard, which is found in farm level and costs three gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take four gold from the supply and place it into their tavern, followed by drawing two intrigue cards, which is followed by them discarding two intrigue cards. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll draw one intrigue card. Now let's take a look at those for Skullport. First, we have Cryptkay Facilitations, which is found in Lower Trade Eleni's and costs seven gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take three rogues and five gold from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track, all of which will go into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take three gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Second, we have the Deep Fires, which is found in Lower Heart and costs six gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take five gold and one adventurer of their choice from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track, all of which will go into their tavern. From there, they'll take one of the face-up quest cards from Cliff Watch Inn. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score three victory points. Third, we have Delver's Folly, which is found in Central Trade Lanes and costs six gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one corruption from their tavern and place it onto any action space. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. Fourth, we have the Frontal Lobe, which is found in Upper Heart and costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to return one adventurer of their choosing back to the supply followed by taking three wizards from the supply and take one corruption from the corruption track, which will go into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take the adventurer that was returned to the supply by the other player and place it into their given tavern. Fifth, we have the Hellhound's Muzzle which is found in Lower Heart and costs eight gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take one cleric, one fighter, one rogue, and one wizard from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track, all of which will go into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one adventurer of their choice from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Sixth, we have Monsters Made to Order, which is found in Central Heart. It costs three gold, and when purchased, as well as at the start of the round, place one corruption from the corruption track onto this building tile. With its associated action, it allows the player to take all of the corruption and place them into their tavern. For every corruption token that the player takes through this action, they can return one of their assigned agents back to their pool. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score two victory points. It is worth noting that if any additional corruption tokens are placed onto this building tile, then it is to be treated just like that of the corruption tokens that it accrued normally with all of the in-game mechanics coming into play. 
but if there's not more corruption tokens found upon the corruption track at the start of any given round, then no tokens are to be placed onto this building tile. Seventh, we have the poisoned quill which is found in central trade lanes and costs five gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to return one corruption from their tavern back to the corruption track, followed by playing one intrigue card from their hand. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll get to draw one intrigue card. Eighth, we have Promenade of the Dark Maiden, which is found in northeast of Skullport and costs nine gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take up to two corruption they possess in their tavern and remove them from the game. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll score three victory points. Ninth, we have Secret Shrine, with its location being a closely guarded secret, and costs eight gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to return one corruption token from their tavern back to the corruption track, as well as to take one cleric from the supply and place it into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one cleric from the supply and they place it into their given tavern. Tenth, we have Shradden's Excellent Zombies, which is located at Lower Heart and costs six gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take three fighters and one cleric from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track, all of which will go into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take three gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. Eleventh, we have Thimblewine's Pawn Shop, which is located at Lower Port and costs four gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to return one corruption from their tavern to the corruption track, as well as taking one gold from the supply and place it into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take two gold from the supply and place it into their given tavern. And twelfth, we have the Throne Gauntlet, which is located in Lower Heart and costs eight gold. With its associated action, it allows the player to take three fighters and three rogues from the supply and one corruption from the corruption track, all of which will go into their tavern. When it comes to that of the owner, they'll take one fighter and one rogue from the supply and place it into their given tavern. So, with that said, that is what you need to know about the buildings. With that taken care of, we can start talking about clarifications used in the game. If you liked this episode, feel free to give it a like, and if you want to stay up to date on any future episodes we upload, go ahead and subscribe. You can also support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash checkpointgaming. See you in the next episode, and happy gaming!